Hello, beloved, and welcome to this uh, evening's Bible study, where we will be looking at the book of Revelation as normal. No. But now we are in Revelation chapter 6. We finished Revelation chapter 5, and now we're in Re- Revelation chapter 6. Now, just to give it a little bit of a, an overview, Revelation chapter 6 begins with the seals, no? that basically represents the beginning of the judgment of unbelievers. And that's what's going to happen on this earth. There's going to be a time when unbelievers are going to be judged. And that's basically during what is called the tribulation period. Now, there's a similarity between these judgments that we find here in chapter 6 and the events that is predicted by Christ in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 31. The Olivet Discourse, now when Jesus was speaking to his disciples and uh, when he ta- told them about the fact that the temple was going to be broken down, not one stone will be left upon another. And um, in the Olivet Discourse, where he talks about Jerusalem that will be sieged, uh, and we know it happened in 70 AD, and where the people had to flee that were in Jerusalem. And those who did not flee, that they will be in a terrible state, and many, many people would lose their lives. So there's a similarity, and this is what we find in the book of Revelation. There are quite a few, uh, how can I say, comparisons between the book of Revelation and what we find in the Old Testament, in prophecy in the Old Testament, but obviously also in what Jesus said in the New Testament and the prophecies that he gave about the tribulation period. And and so there, there will be similarities. There will be connections between the two. Now, the question is, and talking about the tribulation period, because now we're starting to talk about the the, the tribulation period as that time when judgment is coming upon the unbelievers, <clears throat> those who did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who rejected him. Obviously, they will be judged because that's God is a faithful and he is true and he is uh, he, he's a, a judge that can be trusted, that he will judge rightfully. All right. So the tribulation period, the purpose of the tribulation period is definitely a punishment of unbelievers. And we see it with so many people being destroyed and things happening on this earth, right? And this is because of their sin of rejection of Jesus Christ. So there's judgment that comes upon them. But then there's also something else that happens during the tribulation period, and that is to bring the remnant of Israel to faith in Jesus Christ. That group of people in Israel, Jews, that has to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that all of Israel can be saved. All right. And all of Israel is basically those in the Old Testament who by faith were saved by God. And then also the remnant of those who were saved uh, during the church age, plus the Gentiles uh, who are saved. And then this last group of Jews who gets saved during the tribulation period and where they realize but they are responsible for the death of their Messiah. And that they've embraced the wrong Messiah. Because this is what's going to happen. Is that Israel, the people of Israel, the Jews, will embrace the Antichrist as their Messiah. And their eyes will only open up in during the half of the tribulation period. Three and a half years later. Now, after embracing the this Antichrist figure. Then their eyes are going to open up and they realize, but he's not the Messiah. And then they will hear the gospel preached and they will understand that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he is the true Messiah. 
All right, but before we continue now with, with chapter 6, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you and, wow, again, to, to study the book of Revelation. And you say there's a blessing in it, and for sure, there is a blessing in it. Father, I pray in Jesus' precious name that you please open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive. And Father, enable me as your servant to teach your people so that we may all be edified. Christ may be exalted, but that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Chapter 6. Let's start with verse 1. And this is what John writes. He says, Now I saw when the lamb lamb opened up one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice or a voice like thunder come and see now what we know in this verse is that the lamb is jesus christ and remember he's the only one worthy to open up the seals right so we have the seals and these seals need to be opened up and jesus christ the lamb of god is the only one who is able or is worthy to open up these seals so that you and I can have the privilege and anyone reading the book of Revelation can have the privilege to see what is, um, how can I say, in this scroll. All right, and this is after Jesus opens up the seals. This just tells us, beloved, how important Jesus Christ is, not only as the, 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 the Lamb of God slain, eh? when Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross, uh, for our sin, and he was buried and crucified. Uh, he was buried and he rose again from the from the grave. That is superly important because that's the gospel, and that's the the only way through which we can be saved is by acceptance of the gospel. Nah? Right. So Jesus is the he's, he's the only one that is able to save sinners from their sin because he paid the penalty for their sin, and and it was a perfect payment. But here is this other side of Jesus Christ, if, if I may use those words. The other side of Jesus Christ, and here he is the Lamb at the throne of God, worthy to open up the seals, so that we can see what the seals, uh, basically what is in the scroll. All right. Now this voice, or this noise, as, uh, as thunder basically indicates God revealing something to his people. It is not done in secret. It's not a, a secret thing. No, 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 no. This is a noise. It's uh, like the voice of thunder, the voice like thunder. Now, many times throughout the Bible, God's voice has been mistaken for thunder. Beloved, just think about it. The Almighty God speaking. The creator of the universe speaking to people. Obviously, what the people are going to hear is something beyond their understanding. Something beyond what this world knows and has has to offer us. So, the voice of God must be something extraordinary. So, what we have here is we have this, this... voice of thunder something is being announced and not just for 
the people in heaven to hear. I believe this is for everyone to hear. And this, why, this is why it's written down. Beloved, so that we can know that there's terrible times coming over this earth. There is judgment going to take place over this earth. God's wrath is going to come down on this earth. And, and he announces it with a loud voice so that everybody can hear, so that <clears throat> those who, who are able to will take note of it and that they will prepare themselves and be ready because God is speaking. God is going to judge. Now, one of the four beasts, the four living beings, now says, come and see. And we are invited to look into the heavenly stage to see things that has never been shown upon the earth until this moment. Well, the moment when, when John wrote it down eh? in 95 after Christ. And after that, anybody that reads it, now can I say, are seeing things that has never been seen before. This is revelation that is given to John to, to tell us and to show us the things that are yet to come upon the earth. Now we will see in the opening of the, the first seal the, the triumph of Christ and his church. Because at the end of the day, what we have is we, we have Christ judging the world in righteousness. This is not the final judgment though. No? This is not the white throne judgment of God. This is judgment upon the earth in the form of these seals that are open up. The, the judgment of God upon the earth so that those who would hear would still hear and, and repent of their sin and turn to Christ by faith. Now this part that we are, are handling now basically begins with what is called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Someone said that the four horsemen uh, present the picture of man's inhumanity to man. They seem to be a, a divine prediction of the affairs of mankind that will cause much human suffering. Beloved, and isn't it true that a lot of the suffering that we've experienced on this earth, that we've seen on this earth, has been caused by people? It, it can be family members, it can be even friends, it can be um, evil people with evil desires, it can be uh, people that has this hunger for more land or more wealth or more power, and, and they just go out and, and they, they just bring destruction. And it's heartbreaking to think about it, but th that's what happens. So, that's why this, this commentator says that the four horsemen basically represents the, the, the picture of man's inhumanity to man. Because these things that we're going to see now, or we're going to see within the, the, the seals that are opened up, are, are things that people are involved in. Remember when we talk about war, people make war. And when, um, how can I say, when famine comes out of war, it is because of war. It's not as if the earth all of a sudden turned against um, mankind. No. What happened was it is war that produces famine. 
But we're going to get there. Let me not get ahead of myself. Now, when, when we look at the way that people react or what we see in the, uh, the, the horsemen uh, of the apocalypse, it's not something new for um, the people who are in control of the affairs of the world. They have a history of causing their fellow humans a lot of suffering, a lot of harm. They offer false hope. They offer false peace. Uh, they are the ones who causes the wars. And, and many times it is just so that corporates can make a lot of money. Nah. So they have wars and they have famines. And ultimately you will find death. So, one of the worst things uh, to hit this world during the tribulation period is the many plagues that will strike the world's people. There's going to be uh, quite a few plagues that hits the, the people of the earth. Beloved, and we're already seeing something of it. And remember in, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus warned and he said there was going to be plagues. Né? There's going to be pestilences. And what we are seeing is we are seeing it already. I mean, in the, uh, in the virus that we, we've just experienced for so long, it, it is a worldwide pandemic, they call it. And beloved, we can actually see much worse than, than what we have already experienced now. And, and I think in the tribulation period, it is going to be worse than what we've experienced up to this point. Now, what's going to happen is, that many plagues are going to strike this world's people, and especially those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. And those who reject Jesus Christ, their names, remember, are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So they do not have a hope of eternity because they are not in Christ. Okay. So when we look at our passage, we see that... Um, the judgments of God starts with basically seven seals. And, and the seven seals, or these seals, basically represents the beginning of Christ's judgment of unbelievers that are on this earth during the tribulation period. They can't be anywhere else. They have to be in the tribulation period for them to be judged by Christ, for them to, to experience the things that are going to come upon them. All right? Now, as I said before, there is this close link between the statements that we have now, the seven seals, or what is happening in the book of Revelation, uh, and the events that's predicted in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, and the purpose of the tribulation is to judge, né? to punish unbelievers for their sin and their rejection of Christ, and to bring the remnant um, to faith in Christ. This brings us to verse 2. And verse 2 says, And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Alright, so what we have is we have the first seal, a white horse. This is the first of the horsemen of the apocalypse, and this horse is white. Now, our verse tells us that this rider has a bow. But no arrows. And that indicates that although he is military strong, 
in the beginning, he doesn't do his conquering by um, sword or by weapons or whatever. He does it by diplomacy, not war. And because he wears a crown, we basically know that he is successful in his efforts. He, he wears a crown, a victory crown. He, he gets things done. He gets it right. Now the question is, who is this rider on the white horse? Now there are different opinions, basically, different interpretations. And um, everybody that makes an or has an interpretation, they try to prove their, their point by using different passages and different things or whatever. Um, there are those who say that it is the Antichrist who doesn't have to make war because he's this amazing politician, uh, he's an amazing economist, and he just comes in and he s sweeps the people off their feet by his diplomacy and by his, his, his charisma and that kind of thing. And he is like this rider on a white horse, but he doesn't have, he's got a bow, but he doesn't have any, um, uh, what do you call it, um, arrows to, to, to actually shoot with. So there are those who say it's the Antichrist. And he uses deceit and he uses clever maneuvering to bring a false peace to this earth. But that peace will not last. All right, that's basically what some say. Others say they believe that it refers to Jesus Christ, the rider on this white horse. And they kind of connected to later in the book of Revelation where Jesus actually comes on a white horse with all these saints to this earth. All right. Personally, I believe it refers to a system rather than an individual. And, and if you have this rider on the white horse, and if it's the Antichrist, an individual, then the rider on the red horse and the black horse and the gray horse they, or the pale horse, they must all be individuals. And I, I don't believe that the passage uh, supports that. All right, So I don't believe it, it refers to an individual. It refers to a system, I believe. So let's say, for example, we have a system, and we call it the Antichrist system. That's, that's the system that the Antichrist will use to basically take over the world. All right, It's like what we had in the time of the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian system was strong enough to basically infiltrate every aspect of society. The Roman Empire, um, the Roman Empire, the system that they implemented was strong enough and powerful enough to infiltrate every aspect of uh, civilized life in those years, in those times. Uh, today, for example, the example, commerce and the banking system and um, industry and economy and all these kind of things, uh, there's no one person, there's not one person that is in control. It is a system that has been set up that influences every aspect of life. Now, we will see definitely that there are individuals involved in it, but I believe it refers rather to a system, but uh, rather than, um, how can I say, an individual. So the, the horseman is basically representative of a system. For example, um, a horseman, th this white horseman that, that doesn't fight can be... Uh, 
be an example of, for example, a political system. Yeah, it can refer to can refer to something like socialism or uh, communism. It can refer to an ideology uh, I, uh, ideology that 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 just infiltrates every aspect of life. All right, and and what happens is these ideologies basically takes over nations. And they do it without military force. They don't fight. They just, it's an ideology. It just comes in and basically influences the minds of people. And those in charge basically take over. And they literally do not have to pick up anything. I, I believe that politics has got something to, to do with this as well. And the reason why I say that is how many times have has politics been used to basically bring a false peace between nations. It's not really peace, but it's it's a false peace. And it's been concocted by the by the politicians. Uh, and it doesn't take a lot to basically just destroy the peace. And then you've got war again. All right. So I believe that this rider on the white horse uh, rather than being an individual, I believe it refers to a system, all right? A system that would come in and this system would conquer. It will take over every aspect of society. Okay, now let's go to Revelation chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see another horse. Fiery red went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it, or sat on it, to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So the second seal is now open. Now John writes of the second horseman, he says, It was granted to the one who sat on the red horse to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So John is told to, to come and see. And, and we too may get a look or a glimpse as we look at what John says. So it's kind of through the pen of John we can get a glimpse of what's, what's happening. And what the red horse does, or the rider on the red horse, it takes away peace from the earth. And this removal of peace could be twofold in nature. Now there's a, a constant attack of the, the devil and his demons on the church. That's the one thing. And that's for sure. So it's spiritual. I mean, Satan will be given opportunity to take peace from the earth, which will usher in persecution of God's people. And beloved, by the way, Satan is um, a murderer from the beginning. Eh? All right. Uh, Satan is the one who wants to destroy. So it's very, how can I say, very simple that this system will play into the hands of Satan himself. To take peace away from the earth, all right, but also to kill people. I believe that Christians will be martyred. Yeah, those who hold on to the name of Jesus Christ and who refuse to bow their knees before uh, the Antichrist, 
and the system, they will be, they will be martyred. They will be killed. If we look at the Bible, we see that blood actually ran freely all throughout the Bible. Believers in, in some parts of the world are even being made martyrs now. And, and war is on every side. It's everywhere to be seen. People are dying every single day. People are being slaughtered. It's heartbreaking. I mean, if you look at Israel now, in Israel, Lebanon, Syria, uh, Palestine. I mean, these days, there are many people being killed. Right? You've got your suicide bombers that wants to destroy Israel, and they come into Israel and they blow themselves up, or they shoot, um, how can I say, missiles and things into Israel, to, and, and that's into, how can I say, civilians. They, they shoot it into areas where civilians stay. And then Israel retaliates, and so you've got all these, how can I say, you've got this war going on, and you've got all these killings going on, and it's people doing it to people. But I believe that Satan is behind it, by the way, and, and God allows it. Now, all over the world, peace will be taken away by this red horseman. Now, I believe it can be governments, or it can be corporates, or it can be organizations like the European Union, or the United Nations, uh, the Commonwealth Nations, what, what, whatever. I believe that it can be taken away by a system. People will think there's peace, but there is no peace. You know, so, and I don't believe that if we look at these things, that it's, it's not even to the extent of what I believe this, this scripture actually means. I really believe that this red horse has to do with a global movement to intentionally take peace away. And it's not just one person that does it. It's, it's not possible. It's not just one person. Obviously, um, when the Antichrist comes onto the scene, he, he how can I say, he, he's got a group of ten kings that gives their power to him. So there's already a system in place by the time that the Antichrist comes in that actually enables him to take control of the world. All right, but... He needs a system. Without a system, it's not possible to do it. When Daniel's three kings oppose the Antichrist, uh, he will respond with, in, in a deadly fashion, for example, because he wants to have full control over all the world. And, and what will happen is that the Antichrist will quickly, quickly crush his enemies and then bring death to the earth on a massive scale, never seen before, as he starts persecuting God's people. Because he hates God, he hates God's people, wants to destroy God's people, doesn't want anything to do with it, and that's why there's going to be martyrs during the time of the tribulation period. Now, beloved, since the start of the, uh, the atomic age, uh, it's been possible to bring a kind of uh, unimaginable swift destruction Upon this earth, yeah, the, the, if by the, through the push of a button, a lot of people can be destroyed at one time now. Through nuclear, uh, how can I say, 
bombs and nuclear missiles and um, all these kind of, of, of things that has been developed to destroy people. Mankind is mankind's gr- greatest enemy, by the way. I believe it with my whole heart. Now, when the Red Horseman removes peace, I believe it will cause mankind to start slaughtering one another. Beloved, if there is no peace, then what prevents people from becoming the worst they can be? Especially if God removes restraint from them. If God's common grace is removed, they're going to kill one another. People are going to be slaughtering one another. Now, the the Greek word that is used um, basically means to butcher, to slaughter, or to massacre. That's the Greek word here. That's serious. You see, it contains a, a purpose clause which reveals that peace is taken from the earth for the very purpose that mankind should butcher each other. So that's why the peace is taken away from the earth. This is what God allows. Remember, the book of Revelation is what uh, it shows us what God allows to happen. And here, human beings are going to kill human beings, and God allows it, and it's part of his judgment. God can do it himself. But we know from the Old Testament how many times God used other nations to, to basically discipline Israel. Not to punish or to judge Israel. God did it over and over and over and over again. And God's judgment in the tribulation period is going to to be such that people will basically massacre other people. And and they would be fine with it. Now, when we look at the remainder of the of the Revelation seals and the trumpets and the, the bowl judgments. Mankind is doing it to themselves. And they do it with skill. It's just shocking if you look at it like that. But that's the reality. People are destroying themselves. And in the tribulation period, they will destroy themselves even more. Obviously, there's going to be other judgments as well uh, that comes through nature that, that is going to kill a lot of people. But beloved, th- this is the reality. Now, we read in Zechariah about four horses. Yeah? I mean, we can easily see that it is, um, or we can see what it is, because the Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Then I turned and raised my eyes and looked, and behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. Uh, verse 2, With the first chariot, were red horses, with the second chariot, black horses, with the third chariot, white horses, and with the fourth chariot, um, dappled horses, strong steeds. Verse 4, Then I answered and said to the angel that talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And verse 5 tells us, And the angel answered and said to me, These are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. Now, beloved, this is a vision of the same horses, I believe. 
that we are reading about in the book of Revelation chapter 6. And to, inst- to, to understand the entire message, we basically need to read um, chapter 1 uh, and chapter 6 of Zechariah. Now chapter 6 verse 4, it says, Then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these, my, my Lord? And when Zechariah asked the angel what this meant, the answer is verse 5 of chapter 6. Uh, he said to him, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. So we see the spirits of heaven in these horses. So God allows the riders of the horses to do uh, what they are to go and do. God is the one who sends out the horses. But it's it's amazing that the horses go out and then the people... Let's say peace is taken away from the earth, and then what does, what does the people do? Just because the peace is taken away from the earth, the people then slaughter one another. It's, it's absolutely amazing, but it's, it's the way it works. So, beloved, that's, that's chapter 6 so far, up to verse 4. And I'm going to leave it there for, for now. Amazing to, to see how things unfold. And I believe when we look at the systems of the world, we'll see that all the systems of the world are moving in the same direction to fulfill biblical, um, biblical prophecy. I believe it with all of my heart. Beloved, and at the end of the day, who's in charge? God is in charge. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the one who has full control. He's the conqueror. He's the one who will judge the world in righteousness. But he's also the one who is in charge. At the end of the day, when the nations rise up to Jerusalem to destroy Christ, he will destroy the nations. Oh, it is amazing. Amazing to look at this. Um, Especially when we look at the things that are how can I say, revealed to us within Scripture. Now, beloved, I, um, we're going to leave it there. Let's just close our eyes in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love and kindness towards us, and thank you for the book of Revelation that reveals things to us. I pray that you will make it our own, that we will understand it, so that your name may be glorified in and through our lives. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace. God willing, until next time, when we continue in the book of Revelation, um, may the Lord bless you. Bye-bye.